0: Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you again for mothers and and for love and all that you would have us to see from all of this. We ask you to bless this time as we open the word and to look at what you would have us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought long and hard about whether to do something special for a Mother's Day message or just continue in in Philippians, and I decided to continue in Philippians, mostly because it's going to talk about love. (laughs) So We're going to be in Philippians 2. Last week, we were talking about not being afraid of our adversaries, uh, uh, and then also, if you remember, we talked about the promise that we would suffer as Christians. Not a message we normally hear, is it, for for Christians, that we, we will suffer, but it is the true message. Jesus said, they hated me, they will hate you. And a matter of fact, we're told in the scriptures, if the world speaks highly of us, we're probably not living the right way. Because... We're not being a light and salt to the to the world, and this is a section of scripture where the chapter is put a uh, break has been put in the wrong place. <laughs> okay, and I just want to say that don't don't ever think that the chapters and verses are inspired. They were just put there around 300-400 AD so that we could find the verses. <laughs> okay, before it used to be turned to Paul's letter of Ephesians, and he said. <laughs> And you'd have to scan the whole letter to find out where the, where the speaker <laughs> was at. So over a period of time, they decided we're going to put some verse, chapters and verses in it. And this is one of those places where they broke up a thought. Because they're going to start out with therefore. Okay. And um, there's an old adage, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to try to figure out what it's there for. <laughs> okay. Uh, because anytime you see therefore or but, you need to be able to look at it and say there's a reason for it there's a new thought there's a there's a conclusion so Philippians chapter 2 Oh, let's go ahead and read 20 uh, 129 just to get the context for you it is given in behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let, not, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. So we're going to look at this, uh, we started out talking about the whole idea of suffering and he says if there be any consolation you know any consolation in Christ any comfort any building up and you know it is wonderful to be in Christ and to have him with you, you know, have you ever had a really miserable time and all of a sudden you started realizing and thinking about God you know, it's very hard to be thinking about God and be miserable at the same time At least in my case when I think of everything he's done in my life and everything gift he's given me and the fact that he carries my burdens that he is in control I cannot be depressed I'm not a person gets depressed easily anyway but it when I'm thinking about God it brings comfort and I've shared with you when I used to work in the restaurants and everything would be going wrong I would love to just go to the back and Empty the trash or go pick up something out of the back freezers. And then I would do, just like I'm telling you, I would sing one of these choruses to myself if I had five minutes. I would, or I would at least give a quick prayer. I would refocus my mind on God. And you know what? The circumstances didn't change at all, but my attitude toward the circumstances changed. The more we are focused on God, the more our attitude will be corrected. And here's what he's saying. If there's any constellation in Christ, and this is if and there is, okay? He's not saying if, you know, there probably isn't. He says, in, this, in Greek, this is if and there is constellation in Christ. Consolation in Christ. You know, it is the encouragement in him, the solace in him. It is wonderful to be a Christian and have the peace that passes understanding. When you go through... All hell breaking loose in your life, and yet God is there, giving you peace. And just like we said last week, it's wonderful to just look at Him and say, "God, You are sovereign. You're in control." Now, if you're like me, there's times when you look at it and say, "God, You're not in control. You've totally lost it." <laughs> you know, that's our flesh speaking, isn't it? You know, God, you you kind of lost control. How can all this be happening to me, and You still be in control? And God saying, "No, I am fully in control." Job would have been saying, God, you've totally lost it. <laughs> you know, you've totally lost control, God. I've lost my wealth. I've lost my family. I've lost my health. And God's going, No, we're, we're teaching. I am fully in control. The good news for us and why we can be so peaceful is God's in control. There is nothing that happens to us that God did not allow. <laughs> okay? Gotta remember that. Even when it seems like everything's bad and and terrible for us, God is allowing the issue to come into our life. Either to teach us, or it might just be simply so that we will walk with him in in peace and be an example to the lost world. There's times when that's all it's going to be. Many times it's to teach us. Do you really believe? And we've said this, when you learn that God wants us to love one another, this whole message is going to be about be ready in the next week or two to find somebody that's hard to love come into your life and God's gonna say do you really believe me do you really believe me and are you going to exercise what I'm telling you to do but the consolation then he goes on any comfort in love now comfort here is kind of an interesting word in the Greek because it means persuasive address how many of you have been comforted just by somebody talking something through with you, letting you kind of remember the God's in charge? <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes you don't get comfort. Sometimes you get somebody who wants to commiserate in your misery, <laughs> and those are really wonderful times. You feel worse when they get done telling you about how bad it was and how and what they went through when they had something similar and how bad their experience was. But comfort, simple comfort. God is still in control. (laughs) I love the fact that God is in control, always, and that he is sovereign. And we've said this before. The one thing you're never going to hear from God is hear God say, well, I didn't know that was going to (laughs) happen. He already knows that it's going to happen. Why does he know that it's going to happen? Because of his omnipresence. God is everywhere at the same moment, but beyond that, he's also every time at the same moment. He is outside of time, and he encompasses time. When God gives a prediction and a prophecy, it isn't, well, I think this might happen. It is, I've already seen it happen, it's done. We've gotta understand how big our God is. And I've shared with you many times, no matter how big you think God is, you're too small. No matter how strong you think God is, he's too weak in your mind. You know, He is bigger than anything we can conceive of. He is stronger than anything we conceive of. He's more all-knowing than anything we can conceive of. And the longer you seek him, the longer you study about him, and the bigger he gets in your own mind, and hopefully you understand when I say that. When you start with God, he's somewhat small, and as you study, you get bigger and bigger, stronger and stronger. After you've studied 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you're still too small. (laughs) He's still too weak in your mind because he's bigger than anything we can conceive of. This is one of the reasons that we know that we're worshiping God. He is beyond our understanding. Well, people will say, well, I don't understand the Trinity, join the club. (laughs) Nobody can understand the Trinity, which is also why we know that it's God. If we could understand it, we wouldn't have a God that transcends our understanding. When we don't understand why he can do what he does, praise God. (laughs) That means he's bigger than our understanding. And his comfort, the comfort in his love. And you know, love is a wonderful thing. We're told to love one another. And the word in the Hebrew, and you probably all know this, is agape. And most people will define agape as unconditional love. And it is unconditional love. But I like the term, objective love a lot better objective love God chooses to love us you know that's kind of love we want we want a God who's chosen to love us why because the only way he'll choose to not love us will be to choose to not love us and it says my God's the same yesterday today and forever he does not change he says he's gonna love us he's gonna love us It's the, it's, this is the type of love that should be, marriages are based on. Objective love. I choose to love my partner. Why? Because when I don't feel like I'm in love, I default back to the agape love. I choose to love my partner. When I feel like I'm in love with her, great, the two are in line. (laughs) And if you've been married any length of time, you know exactly what I'm saying. There's those times when you, you're really in love emotionally and feelings and everything is all right there. And then there's those times when you're looking around and saying, who's this person in my house? (laughs) You know, uh, and that's when agape love becomes important. And you know what? You go another year or two and you're back into emotional love. And it's a cycle that goes on. And this is why that objective love is important. God's love to us is objective. It's unconditional. It doesn't matter what we do or don't do. He has chosen to love us. And not just us. He loves the whole world. That's why Jesus Christ came to this world, to die. Because God loves us and knew we needed to be redeemed. All it takes is one sin to send us to hell. One, that's it. The wages of sin, singular, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus died so that we could go to heaven by accepting that gift. And he's saying, is there any comfort in love? There's great comfort in love. He builds us up, he talks to us with his love. He says, if any fellowship with the, of the Spirit. Now fellowship here is the same word as, ko- as koinonia, which is the same word as church. <laughs> it's a gathering of like-minded believers. And uh, we use it in, a, in our sense as church, but in, the, in their day it was any assembly of, at all <laughs> of people believing the same thing. But koinonia is an intimate relationship with, Do you have that intimate relationship with the spirit? Do you know that he is indwelling you and changing you? An intimate experience with him. This is the greatest testimony for Christianity. We get to have a relationship with the God of the universe. So in one sense, Christianity isn't even religion because it is a relationship with God. What is religion? It's a bunch of rules. <laughs> follow these rules and you're going to be okay. You know, follow these rules and if you do more good than bad, you're going to be okay with the deity when you stand before him, and that is not what the Bible teaches. That is what every religion teaches. Unfortunately, there are Christian churches that teach that <laughs> because they get off what the Bible teaches. And it's real easy. You know, you, you got to do this, you got to do that, you you know. know. And some of those rules are really good rules. They're a good thing, good way to live. It is a very good thing to come to church and fellowship with the body of Christ. Is it going to get you into heaven? No. Is it going to give you strength to get through each week? Yes. Will it give you the right teaching to, to work the rest of the week? Yes. Can you be a Christian and not go to church? Theoretically, yes. You're going to be an awfully weak Christian? You're not going to be growing, and you're probably going to be living in sin. Because I've seen it many times over over the lifetime when people say they're a Christian. I'm not going to say they're not, or they are, but you look at their life, and there's no growth. There's no development with God. There's no fellowship with God. Only they will know when they get to before God and and hear God saying, either enter into my joy of my salvation or depart from me, I never knew you. And Jesus said, many in that day will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. We need to know him. We need to be growing with him. When you know him, you know that you know him. (laughs) I have no doubt in my mind that I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to heaven. Because in 44 years, he and I have had a pretty good relationship developed. And there is nobody who's going to convince me that I'm not saved. Now, I've met people that I'm not absolutely sure that they know Jesus. But again, that's between them and God. And it's not my job to judge them, but I will treat them as a lost person and witness to them. We need to have this fellowship with the Spirit. And He says, if any bowels and mercy. Now, the word bowels here is our innermost seat of our emotions, our passions. And mercy is that feeling of compassion toward others that abides in your heart. You know, as Christians, we need to have compassion one for another. You know, love them. Many times it's hard to love people. You know, God took many years to teach me to love people, and sometimes I wish that I had never learned to love people because it hurts. And you know what I'm saying on that, don't you? you know, when you love somebody so much and you see them making bad choices, for some of us, family members are that way. And we look and say, why are they making the wrong choices? God, get hold of them. You know, the family members are the hardest ones for us to, to not try to butt into their life and try to tell them what to do. And sometimes we just have to let them make their mistakes and just love them when they hit bottom and, and finally end up coming back. But how much compassion do we have for one another? Jesus said they will know you are my disciples by your love one for another. One of the greatest experiences when you go to a church and people love each other and want to be around each other and want to be, be, be together. I've seen churches where people are at their throats all the whole time and it's like, no, that's not, this isn't a Christian, Christian church, love. Now does love mean we let people just do whatever they want? No. I mean, if you're a parent and your kid's getting ready to run out in the middle of the interstate, (laughs) you're not being very loving. Oh, well, they just like to run into into the street. That would be the exact opposite of love, actually. That would be, I hate my child. I hope he dies. Love sometimes has to speak hard things to one another. Have you ever had somebody lovingly correct you? It's an amazing thing. If somebody lovingly corrects you, you may not even really realize that you've been corrected because it is so gentle. We've all been on the other extreme where somebody tries to correct us and they're in our face and and immediately your guard goes up, your defenses go up. You don't want to hear anything they say because of their attitude. It's so unloving. And I've told people many times, first off, you have no business correcting anybody in the church if you're not praying for them. That's the first step. If you're not praying for them, do not even begin to try to think that you have the right to correct them. If you're praying for them and and you love them enough to be able to speak lovingly to them, and it is a sin, and I'm talking about a sin, black and white, thou shalt not. <laughs> okay, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not... <laughs> commit adultery, thou shalt not commit fornication, there's a whole bunch of thou shalt nots, and you and somebody that you've been praying for, and they're committing a sin, confront them in love. If they're committing something that you have a problem with, but is not really a thou shalt not, probably leave it alone. (laughs) And how many areas are there like that? Oh, hundreds, (laughs) thousands, you know. The idea of coming to church for me, coming to church is an automatic. I come to church every time the doors are open, even before I was a pastor. <laughs> okay, and it was just—it was I was that committed to being with the fellowship of the believers. Now, did I go around telling people, oh, "You missed Wednesday, you missed this day, you missed that day, you, you're a sinner"? No. No, <laughs> God's conviction in my life that I had to be there was mine. Now, if I had missed those services for no reason, I would have been sinning because of the conviction God put in my life. But I wasn't going to sit there and tell everybody, no, you've got to do that. You got to, you know. I hope you understand what I'm saying. There are some, some things that we're going to say, for me, is a sin because God has convicted me of this. And, we'll, and believe me, I've, been, I've talked to the people that believe those things, and they'll give me all their verses to support their, their opinion. And I'll usually tell them, yes, I can see how you can use those verses to support your opinion. But it's not a thou shalt not. You may feel very strongly. People who are against uh, smoking will go, well, don't, don't pollute the body of Christ. You know, the temple is the body of Christ. Don't, don't pollute it. And I go, great, that's a great application as long as it belongs to you. But don't try to be putting it on somebody else. Because they have other problems that they're dealing with. And as I said last week, oftentimes when we're judging people for what they're doing, they're going to look at us and say, well, you're not doing all the things that I think you should be doing. And we need to be very careful about that. Love one another. If you can share it in love, be my guest. Share it in in love kindly. (laughs) Tell them why and then drop it. But again, if it's a thou shalt not, that's something altogether different. When Paul told the Corinthian church to kick the man out of the church, why did he tell him? Because he was sleeping with his mother-in-law. And he goes, that's not something that you do. It's against the it's against the scriptures. He says, if he won't repent, kick him out of the church until he's ready to repent. That is a very solid thou shalt not. So we want to be very careful with this and say, there's all of these things. Do and he runs with all of these ifs. He goes, and these are true. In verse 2, he says, Fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Fulfill. This word is pleroma, and it means to fill, to overflowing. (laughs) Paul says, I want to hear such good things from you that I will have overflowing joy. I understand that desire. When I teach people, my whole goal is that they will take what I teach and apply it to their life and grow. When they grow, it's a great thing to watch them grow, and it's a very joyful thing having a small part in their life. It's very sad when they take it and don't follow it. (laughs) And you're going, God, oh, please. And you pray for it a lot. (laughs) But he says, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded. This means to have the same mind, to think the same way, having this same love. What kind of love? The objective love. I choose to love people. Where is that for us as spiritual? It is a sign of maturity. That I love God's people. The ultimate is that I love all people. That I love them so much that I want to give them the gospel. I care about where they're going to spend eternity. Hell is a long punishment for for rejecting Christ. And that is the destination for anybody who rejects Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the door. We need to be able to take that to people and say, You need Jesus. You need to choose Jesus because that is where the true love for them comes from. And it says to be of one accord and one mind. One accord, tight unity. <laughs> tight unity. It's wonderful when you're with somebody and you have a great unity with them. No strife, no bothering going on. You're willing to you know, be, be wrong even though you're not wrong. <laughs> have you ever been there? Have you ever talked to somebody who has to be right? They have to be right. No matter what, they have to be right. Even when they're wrong, <laughs> they have to be right. But you know the real test is, do you have to be right even though you know you're right? There's sometimes that there are certain things I'm just not going to discuss with people because it doesn't matter that much. When it comes to salvation, that's going to be a different issue. I'm going to be holding that one pretty tight. And I've said, when it comes to the Word of God, being the Word of God and being absolutely true, I'm going to hold tight to that. When it comes to the fact that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead and is the only way to heaven, I'm going to be very dogmatic about that. Get beyond that. There's not a whole lot to be dogmatic about. Is, when is Jesus coming? Soon. <laughs> you know, been said soon since uh, 80, 80 A.D. Soon, 60 A.D. I think Paul wrote his first letter that said it. You know, he's coming back soon. Uh, God's idea of soon is a little uh, different than our idea of soon. <laughs> uh, for an eternal being, soon is can be a long time for for us mortals. Are, is the church going to be raptured before any of the tribulation, in the middle of it, or the end? Well, I firmly believe that before the rapture, but it's not going to be a salvation issue if you don't want to believe that. That's neither here nor there. We could have some good discussions, but if it's a hill to die on, I will stop talking about it. <laughs> Gifts of the Holy Spirit. Were they only for the, for the apostles or are they still going today? I believe they're still going today. But is that something I'm going to argue and fight over with so if somebody really wants to say no, they stopped? No, I will tell them what I believe and why. But again, if there's going to be something they ended, we've got to... <laughs> it's not something that's a salvation issue. We need to learn to be able to just allow somebody to be wrong if they want to be wrong. You know, and I've jokingly said sooner or later they'll learn that I'm right. <laughs> you know... Of course sometimes I might find that I was wrong. <laughs> that has happened. <laughs> that has happened as I've studied the scriptures. But after 44 years of studying the scriptures, I know pretty much what I believe and why I believe it and can defend what I believe. But again, when I'm doing something like that, my opinion's not worth anything more than anybody else's. I have studied a long time and, and have a lot of reasons, but it's not that much more valuable. But can we learn just to live in peace one with another. Just to love them enough to know that I don't have to be right. They don't have to be agree with me every every step of the way. I will tell many people, I go, I know that people don't agree with me on every point of view. The pastors that I've walked under in the past have known that I don't believe everything that they believe necessarily. Now I believed most of what they believed because otherwise I wouldn't have been in that church. But we don't need to be in lockstep. You know, Paul told the Bereans that they were good because they studied what he said to prove its truth. And I've shared with everybody, I want everybody to be good Bereans in this church. Study. whatever said, go into the Bible and check it out for yourself so that you know why you believe. Not why do I believe and say, well, pastor said, <laughs> that doesn't hold up very well. Well, the pastor said, or my teacher said, you know how many times I've met people who learned something in Sunday school, in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, that is wrong. And the only reason they believe it is because, well, my, my teacher said, get into the word and find out whether it's true. Because unfortunately, we're human, we, don't, we make mistakes. We're not infallible. We will make mistakes. And sometimes we'll be dogmatic with our mistakes. <laughs> And eventually God will get hold of us and teach us. And there's things that I've taught over the years that I've realized were wrong and advanced into deeper study. But we want to be able to look at this. Verse 3 says, Let nothing be done with strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let nothing be done with strife. Now, strife is an interesting word here because it means in this uh, Greek word, it's electioneering. Telling people what they want to hear and puffing themselves up. Vote for me because I am the best thing since sliced bread. (laughs) And if you don't agree with me, I'm gonna teach you why you're wrong. (laughs) We just came through the campaign system and we heard all of that stuff, didn't we? That's the word that this is, strife. Divide groups up into different groups and say, I'm your leader because I fit your side. It's a very strong word. Don't let division happen. There's nothing worse that can happen in the body of Christ than division occurring. And you know what? Most of the time, division occurs on really silly things. Some of the first reasons the church started dividing in the the early days was over communion. Did the bread and the wine turn into the literal body and blood of Jesus in when you took it into you. Now, we don't most, most of us don't believe that anymore, that it became the literal blood and body of Christ. But for a long time, that was the standard teaching, that when you took communion, it literally became the blood and body of Christ. And it split churches up for, a long, for quite a while in the early days. You know, I've, I've seen churches split just because they didn't like the color of the new decorating scheme. <laughs> What a stupid thing to split a church over about. Pick a, third or pick a third choice, whatever. But you know, we need to be careful because in our flesh, it is so easy to say, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm building my kingdom within this group, this church, I'm gonna build this. And I've shared with you, my goal in this church is to build God's kingdom. In the process, he'll build the church in chloride. Our job is to build his church. Whether they get saved and they go to Dolan Springs or Golden Valley or Kingman really doesn't matter. We build his kingdom. And then he will take care of the church. He'll take care of this local assembly. Then it says in vain glory. This is kind of an interesting thing because how many times do we want to say, look at me? Look at me. Empty glory. Pay attention to me. There's always a handful of people in most churches that want to say, you know, hey, I, I, I'm it. <laughs> I, it. I'm, I'm the teacher or I am the prayer person or, you know, they want to lift themselves up. You know, if you're serving God, he will lift you up. He will lift you up and put you in the positions you're supposed to be in. He doesn't need people saying, pay attention to me. I'm, you know, I'm new in your church, but I've been a teacher for, you know, Three decades, I, I'm the one you should be teaching in this, in this place. If you're a good teacher, you'll get known. I've never had to go, hey, I'm a, I'm a teacher. <laughs> All I had to do is start making comments once in a while in a class. Talk to people. It wasn't hard before people go, oh, this guy, this guy can teach. This is a prayer warrior. Do you know, it doesn't take long to know who you can go to to have your prayers answered if you want to have somebody praying for you. I've heard people say well I'm a prayer warrior okay we'll pray for this well how many prayers have you had answered in the last month well I don't know but I pray all the time yeah. I've known prayer warriors you go to them and say will you pray and you get an answer don't know why but they're just they have that special gift they have this gift some people have a gift of working for people they just love to serve we have people who are very gifted in giving. Yeah. We're all supposed to give to God, but there are some people that would give you everything. <laughs> I've met a few of them. They need somebody to help temper them sometimes <laughs> because they literally would give everything they have. But you know it's a gift from God to be able to be like that. What has God gifted you to do? You're gonna to have to talk to God on that. You'll know what it is, you really will. He's given everybody a gift. And it says, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Lowliness of mind is a humility, is a picture of humility. Not so much to say that, well, I'm nothing when you are something. Okay. If you're a good teacher, to say you're not a good teacher is a lie. <laughs> if you are a great gift of prayer and to say you're not gifted in prayer, you're lying. Does it mean you boast yourself up? No, he says in lowliness of mind, you just keep it down quiet. People will recognize those gifts. But that we esteem one another up. We lift one another up. The greatest thing that should be when you're in the, with the body of Christ, you should feel like you've been blessed. Number one, you've been in the presence of God. Where two or three are gathered, there am I in the midst of them. You're in the presence of God when you're in church. But you know, it's also... You are one. You know, people telling you you're wonderful, you're doing a good job, you're growing. One of the greatest things I love is to tell people I appreciate how much they've grown in the years that I've known them. Just watching the growth that God puts in their life. It's a great blessing. And to know that I have a small part in their growth is wonderful as well. But you know, it's them taking what they're hearing and applying it that's the real growth that they're, they're finding. But to watch the growth, to be able to build people up, to esteem one another. We need to take that in mind when we're with one another. You know, and I'm not saying flatter them with false flattery. <laughs> Nothing's worse than somebody telling you false flattery. I had somebody tell me one time, you know, I love what you're doing in the church. This person didn't know me, so I asked him straight up. I go, well, what am I doing in the church? <laughs> I knew what I was doing in the church. But false flattery is not good. But if you see somebody who's very faithful, commend that faithfulness. If you find somebody who's really loving, commend them for their love. There's always something that they can be commended for if we look hard enough for what to commend them. And for some people it's the faithfulness. There are certain people that are here every week and that's great that they're faithful to come every week. There's some that are just great at instructing and helping people and that's wonderful as well but we want to be able to be like minded why because the Holy Spirit dwells in us he wants to crucify our flesh and he wants to come out of us and we've shared this before many times walking the Christian life is easy just let the spirit come in and crucify you (laughs) and then let him work out of your life and when he works out of your life people are gonna notice and you're going to be able to share things with people you're going to be witnessing to people you're going to be showing love to people just as Paul's saying, be loving fulfill my joy why was he saying that because this is his church he started it (laughs) he still loved them even though he wasn't there he's in Rome but he's saying I still love you I want to hear the reports of how loving you are how much you're growing with Christ and that'll just fulfill my joy it'll make me so happy that you're continuing to serve God even when I'm not there and ultimately that's what we want whether we're a teacher or a parent you know, our ultimate goal as a parent is that our children <coughs> will continue doing the life that we've taught them to to live in <coughs> excuse me that's our ultimate goal as a loving teacher in in the church our goal is have a whole bunch of children we're hoping that they'll grow and follow what they're taught. We're gonna close here in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We ask you, Lord, to help us as we go forward. Help us to learn to walk in your love. Help us to learn to esteem one another, to allow others to follow you. Lord, if there's anybody that's listening to this on the internet or in this room even that doesn't know you, we ask that they will admit right now that they're a sinner, that they deserve punishment And that you died for their sins and accept that gift of eternal salvation that you died for. And that they will then share that with some other Christian and start their path of discipleship. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.